Welcome to the Relentless Gardener podcast. Good day, everyone. I am Colorado State University horticultural agent, Linda Langelo. And joining me today is Yvette Henson, San Miguel Basin, Colorado State University Extension Director, and she handles agriculture, natural resources, and horticulture. Now let's get to the heart of it, where we explore high altitude season extension trial beds. Hello, Yvette. How are you today? I am good. How are you, Linda? Wonderful. Glad you could come on and talk about this. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And I'm good. I'm glad to get the word out about what we're doing. That's important. This is some really good research. What is the purpose of these trial beds? We are trialing different season extension covers to see if we get a better yield of things because we live in a high elevation area. Our beds are at almost 9,000 feet elevation. And so our seasons are really short. And so it's kind of like a food security thing because we're also really isolated communities. And so we wanted to see, could we grow and get a yield of more crops if we used season extension covers? So how much more are the yields that you're finding? I know you've said uh, you grow lettuce and carrots, but is it significant? Is it like 10% or 20% or? I've never done the percent. You know, I make graphs of the data. I would, but it's definitely very helpful with warm season crops, especially, and with cool season crops, which we can grow pretty well because we've got um, colder, you know, nights and colder temperatures. But even with the cool season crops, um, the covers get things started earlier, and then they give us a little more frost protection for a little bit on the end of the season, which does increase yields. Um, it's been interesting with some cool season crops, some of the covers will actually decrease the yield over the control, but with warm season crops, especially green beans makes a huge, huge difference to have covers. How much longer does it extend your season? For, for like green beans or something, um, we typically... We start things about a month. You know, when we were doing lettuce trials, we had several different years to practice, right? And so each year we would add a week or two earlier to when we planted. So we were planting in April, whereas our last frost in Telluride, where the beds are, our last frost is June, you know, and so we did get a really early start, which, you know, in your garden, you can plant lettuce earlier than your, in your last frost, but it's, yeah, it's, it can make two, I would say up to a month. Sometimes we've even pushed it beyond just to see what would happen. Well, that's great for that altitude. Yeah. <laughs> can you describe these raised beds and the different covers to the listening audience? Sure. So we, you know, we're limited in the number of beds we have. We have, we started with three, but we have four now. 
and they're raised beds, which has been really nice to garden in them. They're about four foot wide or deep and 12 feet long. And our beds are on a slope. So the front of the beds are greater than 18 inches, but the back of the beds are 18 inches tall. So if they were on flat ground, they'd be 18 inches, about knee high. And then the covers that we have are, we do a control, which is no cover at all, which is important in you know any kind of research trial. And then we have what's called Solex, which is kind of like a greenhouse cover. It's chambered, it's white. So it's not like totally clear and transparent. And the idea is it's supposed to make light bounce around and diffuse the light so that you get light distribution, but we can talk about pros and cons later. And the, and so we found out in our high elevation area, we needed the five millimeter Solex panels, not the three millimeter, which we started with because frost builds up in those chambers and we were growing through the winter. So we'd open and close and open and close and then they cracked. So, you know, we've learned, but Solex, it's like a greenhouse cover. It's more rigid. It's bendable, but it's rigid. And then we do diabetalon, which is a clear, it looks like plaid because it's got all these nylon fibers running through it, but it's totally clear. It's kind of expensive. I think they used to call it tough bell, but it's diabetalon. And that one, it kind of creates like an igloo effect because the frost builds up on the cover and freezes, which protects the stuff underneath the covers. And then we just use 30% row cover fabric. That's neat. Did you want to say anything about the soil and air temperature within those covers? No, not so much. We haven't used the temperature logs lately. And so I didn't refresh myself on that data. Sorry. <laughs> that's, not, that's all right. That's all right. We had like years of that data. And when we did a presentation at ASHS several years ago, you know, that was more fresh in my mind, but. <laughs> that's, that's quite all right. Can you give us the history behind how the project started? Well, we had a greenhouse person on that worked for extension named Brooke Edmonds. And she wanted to do this research for the reasons that we've said. So she recruited like three counties in Colorado to participate and we got a grant. And so in that grant, we built the beds, we did the covers, we did three years of lettuce trials. We grew lettuce under these beds. And so um, that was in 2011 that we started so we actually grew 12, 13, and 14, and then reported that data as promised in the grant. And then some of the other counties that participated, like Eagle County and Tuller County, they may still grow in the beds, but we don't like share our data together anymore. But we continued, we continued in our area because I thought the information was so helpful for our, our region. Exactly. That's wonderful. People can take that home and 
do that and know that they're going to be successful and not have to trial it for themselves, which yeah, yeah, is, is save is a money savings for one, right? Tell us uh, the types of props that you've trialed. Well, like I said, we started with lettuce and we grew head lettuce. We didn't do cut and come again, and we grew some beautiful, beautiful lettuce. And then we grew not in any particular order. We've grown green beans, summer squash, broccoli, carrots. We grew winter greens through the winter. So we would plant those in August and see if they would overwinter and then start again in the, in the spring. So we did that for a couple seasons and I feel like I'm forgetting something. Strawberries. That's it. We grew day new day neutral strawberries. So the covers do make a difference with day neutral strawberries because they're not, you know, like June bearing and ever bearing or day length respondent. So they're not gonna produce any earlier, really. Even but with the day neutral, they're not day length respondent. So as long as it's warm enough for them to start growing they'll start producing. So the covers did make a difference there. And protected them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, usually if you try to grow strawberries here in a raised bed, it warms up sooner. Yeah. But and then the flowers happen and then you have a freeze and then you lose a lot of your crop. Yeah. Well, with the day neutral strawberries, they... You don't you don't lose your crop if you got a freeze. They're they they produce even more than ever bearing. Like every three weeks or so, they're putting on a new flush of flowers throughout as long as it's warm enough for them to grow. So certain covers they would start growing again in the spring faster, and then what then they'd start blooming quicker, and then they would stay alive at the end of the summer a little longer too. Around what temperature would be the the best for them to start growing? Well, they actually start growing, you know, when it's like above freezing for for a good a good period of time. That's amazing. So yeah, if the soil thaws out enough, um, they'll start regrowing. Wow, that's if you really love strawberries and you live at that altitude you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I do it at home. You know, last year I planted a strawberry bed at home of day neutral strawberries. Fantastic. So how did you decide what crops that you would trial? That is a good question. Some of it's practicality because the covers only, you can't grow like really tall, tall things under the covers, they're hoops. And so you can't, you know, so you have to think about it that way. But I just tried to think about like what crops are most commonly known? What crops can you get a lot of food from? You know, like carrots and lettuce. And we we grew sprouting broccoli. So not sprouting, aside, like most broccoli, commercial broccoli, they grow it for the heads. And then the whole, they just, they're done. But then there's some varieties of broccoli that'll make a head and then they'll continue to produce side shoots. 
So we grew broccoli that would make side shoots, which I thought was great because we cut our broccoli up anyway. You know, so why, if, why does a home gardener need to grow heads of broccoli? So that, that was a really fun, that was a really fun trial because they were, it was delicious, you know, cause we're a cool season area, but the, the covers did make a little bit of difference. I, let me look at this data real quick. So like under the warmer covers, like the Solex, the broccoli starts growing earlier, you know, and went on a little bit longer, but it was actually the row cover fabric, which has been so surprising to me. Like some of the cool season crops, it's the row cover fabric that increases the yield and extends the season more than the warmer covers, which might make sense, I guess, when you think about it's a cool season crop. So I would say the two best, the what we've grown has performed best under row cover and diabetalon. So everybody kind of thinks intuitively that the Solex, because it's like a greenhouse cover, is going to perform better. But the plants don't get enough light, in my opinion, and they stretch. So if you're growing red lettuce under the Solex covers, the lettuce will be green and not red. Um, the diabetalon is the clearest, so it'll give the best quality of like colored vegetables. Um, but you know, so they have pros, they have pros and cons. Are the fruits larger in some instances or no? Yeah. I mean, because we do yield. And so sometimes, you know, it's because they got bigger that we had a greater yield. And the plants look healthier overall. You know, like I said, you can have some, you can have some color problems, you know, or stretching underneath the, the row cover and the, the diab and the Solex because they're a white color, right? So they don't let in as much light and that light is needed to make the colors and to make a compact plant. So that's that I would say those would be drawbacks of that. Um, advantage and disadvantage is the Solex and the row cover, they both have more humidity underneath the covers. And so you water less. So that's an advantage, right? Because you water less, but it's a disadvantage because you can get disease, especially on the beans. We saw verticillium um, rot, you know, on there. I think I'm saying the right thing. It might've been fusarium. Fusarium rot, yes. yeah. Yeah, fusarium. Yeah. Yeah, the little gray, growy, moldy, yucky stuff. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you're right. You know, the water is an advantage, but it does have that disadvantage, yes. They also exclude pollinators. So if it's a crop that needs pollinated, like strawberries, you know, you have to open those covers um, occasionally to let the pollinators in, but they also exclude things like cabbage worm moths. 
So we had more cabbage worms on the control broccoli plants than we did on the plants that were covered. But those moths, they'll still get in there. You know, it doesn't exclude them totally, but it does help a lot. Well, I suppose you can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> you you talked about uh, growing uh, greens through the winter. Did you try spinach? We did. We grew spinach, kale, and it's mosh or corn salad or lamb's lettuce. It's not something you see that much in, in the U.S., but we grew those three crops and we thought the kale would do really well, right? Because kale is reported as being cold tolerant and it'll overwinter. But what we learned about overwintering things is it the stage they're at when they go into winter determines whether they survive the winter or not. And it's slightly different for every crop, but generally it's like, has to have a little bit of growth on it or be a younger plant to make it through the winter if it's mature. And I've heard people talk about season extension and they're like, I get my crops to maturity and then I overwinter them. But I think that's in locations like Seattle, you know, where it's not as cold as it gets here. And so for some reason, a mature lettuce will not withstand frost like, um, juvenile lettuce well so that's one thing so i think that was the thing with the kale the spinach actually did really great i don't there's another thing when you grow through the winter in like low-tech covers is light you know a lot of crops they're gonna stop producing when the day length gets really short so you have to get those plants started get them to a good stage you can usually get like one cutting right before the holidays. And then they sit there and don't grow until the end of February or March. And I think if you provided supplemental light and maybe a little heat, you know, like if you were growing more in a greenhouse, but these are low tech. So, but I don't think the corn salad, the mosh, I don't think it's day length respondent because it continued to grow through the winter. Did that have a good taste to it? Oh, it's kind of succulent. You know, it's a little bit slimy. Um, but um, the master gardener who was growing with me, she had been somewhere in Europe where they served it with um, potatoes, new potatoes. And so I tried it with a, with a Dijon ranch dressing. Or it's really good by itself if you use lemon and olive oil, salt and pepper dressing. But like all by itself, it just doesn't have much flavor and it's a little bit slimy. Well, that's, <laughs> that's you know. That's my personal opinion, you every, know, just every, my taste. Exactly. Everybody has a different taste. So, you know, I try it, you know, if they, if they have the right conditions, why not? Yeah. The kale, it just suffered. We grew it two years through the winter. Both times the kale didn't do as well. We even grew the same crops in a high tunnel through the winter one year and the kale, it didn't do as well. It got aphids really badly, you know, and in my home garden, I overwinter kale, but I don't like 
try to eat. You know what I mean? It just overwinters. Right. Right. And I, I'm like, right. oh, great. These are the hearty ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, spinach ought to be really tasty. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff for sure. It's nice to have that like in the early spring. Exactly. Exactly. And homeowners, you know, that supplements their fresh food, which, you know, depending upon the grocery store and where you live, you know, yeah. the type of access you have, uh, you know, you can either get good quality fresh or not. Right. Something to know when you overwinter a green is it's going to go to seed pretty quickly once the weather warms up in the spring. So you'll get that harvest in the fall and then you'll get a couple harvests in the early spring, late winter, but then they go to seed really quickly. That's good information. So are there any other pros or cons you'd like to add at this point? Hmm. I guess I'll just recap if that's okay. I think that the covers yeah. make a difference for warm season crops mostly, and for an early start and a little bit of an extension in the fall. So they just provide a little bit of extra protection so you get yield. And then the cons are, you know, they're, I don't know, you know, like the row covers, the soft covers, the diabetolon is really expensive. The row cover fabric is not that expensive, but the row cover breaks down after a year or two and the diabetolon will last. If you take it off in the fall, you're not winter growing. It'll last like four or five years if you handle it correctly. And then the Solex, it lasts, you know, for a long time. We put it in a rigid frame after we had the problem with it cracking in the cold. And so those beds, they last a long time. That's important to know. Yeah. If people are going to spend a lot of money and they're okay with that, then that's, yeah. maybe that's the direction they need to go. And I'll just tell you too, like I use this, what I've learned, what we've learned, I use it in my own garden and one of my master gardeners that's been in the project forever, she uses it in her own garden too. So I would say my favorites are the diabetalon and the row cover, but I'll use the Solex for things like strawberries, but I take, I actually take it off during the grow, growing season. Like it's on in the early spring, late winter and in the fall. And then I take it off so that I don't have to winter water the beds, but um, it, it gives like an added start to things. So personally, I don't know if I would recommend the Solex, you know, except for things like that, it's getting an early start. Well, at least folks know about it. That's, yeah. the important, you know, yeah. give them the opportunity. And I, and I thank you for sending me this, this little brochure that you have on all of these methods and materials and crops and, and covers. You're is, welcome. Is, is that on your website that people can have it access? It is. 
it is on our website. And I was looking at it in preparation for this podcast. And I'm like, oh, I need to update this a little, you know, because it was, I think we published it in 2019 or 20. So we like, yeah, it changes all the time, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. Like something really weird and ironic is with the green beans. One year when we grew green beans, they performed better under Solex. And then the other times they performed better under row cover. So we did it a third time to see what would happen. And that was what we did this year. And I don't have the data yet. You know, I haven't like recorded it all and made my graphs. And so when, once I do that, I'll update that brochure. I can't even imagine now with our so inconsistent weather extremes, how that's going to affect all of this. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm like, this does not make sense to me, you know? (laughs) Probably turns everything on its head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Yvette. Thank you, Linda. This has been very informative and people know to go to your website in San Miguel Basin and, uh, your phone number's on there if they'd like to call you and ask you more questions. Yeah. And I would love to talk about it. You know, I don't want to be doing it in a vacuum. No, that research <laughs> isn't meant for that. It's it's no. meant to share and and help people have better opportunities and upgrades the best practices for them. Yeah. Which which you're using at home. So <laughs> <laughs> I talk about a lot to the gardeners that contact us in our area. We, That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, thank you, Yvette. Thanks for joining me. You're and welcome. Thanks for inviting me. It's a it's an exciting topic. And so if you continue with more trials, you'll have to come back. Oh, cool. And let us know what's what happened and and more about the pros and cons. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Tune in next time as we get to the heart of another horticultural topic. And I'd like to thank the listening audience for joining us today.